Hello skiers and snowboarders, it's springtime in the Wasatch. Hi, I'm Tom Kelly, your host for Last Chair from Ski Utah, telling the story of the greatest snow on earth. After an amazing but tumultuous season, I wanted to welcome you back for one final episode of Last Chair. The 2019-20 season saw fabulous snow across the state, but then it came to a sudden pause as the coronavirus pandemic swept over the world in March. For all of our fans of Last Chair, we wanted to give you these, some season closure, give it a proper closure and also take you behind the scenes to learn more about how things came down in March and most importantly, some thoughts on where we're headed into the future and into the next season. Today, we have three amazing guests on Last Chair. And first of all, we'll welcome the president of Ski Utah, Nathan Rafferty. He's a lifelong skier who also loves to ride his dirt bike in the deserts around the world. We also have heads of two of Utah's most remarkable big mountain resorts. First, Davey Ratchford, the president and CEO CEO of Snow Basin, just outside of Ogden, along with Dave Fields, president and CEO of Snowbird, who joined us on our debut episode last December. And uh, welcome everybody to last year, and thanks for taking a few minutes out of your hectic springs uh, to join us to talk about this season. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. So what's everybody, everybody been up to the last two months? You're looking at it. Uh, <laughs> Seems like, uh, and I'm sure I can speak for just about everybody on this podcast. It's been Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, and I've got them today. I got to tell you, I've got it perfectly spaced where I can't quite do anything in between my Zoom meetings, but they're just spaced perfectly enough that I can blow my whole day with uh, three different Zoom meetings. Davey, you're up at uh, Snow Basin, and how are things looking up there? You still have uh, plenty of snow up on the mountain? Yeah, there's a lot of good snow still. So we still have people doing uphill travel every day. And, you know, it would have been a tough go right at the end of the season weather-wise, but we would have made it for sure. So there's still good snow right now and still a lot of people enjoying it. Yeah, and Dave Fields, how are things looking down at Snowbird? Well, it's a little torturous to look up the mountain and see all the snow and been hard to be here. Most of our employees are staying home. And so we have a few people here working on projects and I'm up here three or four days a week and it's pretty hard to not have the ski boots on. Yeah, I'll bet it is. I want to have uh, each of you introduce yourself a little bit to our guests. I know many of you are pretty well known across Utah, but Nathan Rafferty, uh, head of Ski Utah, can you just uh, introduce us to yourself and give us a little background? Sure. Uh, again, Nathan Rafferty, I'm the president and CEO of Ski Utah. I started at Ski Utah in 1994, fresh out of college as, a, as an intern in our office. And I've been the intern and the office manager slash receptionist. I've been the, I was the PR guy for uh, seven years and I've been the president now for 14 years and change. And Dave Fields, we had a chance to meet you in the first episode of Last Chair all the way back in December. Give us a little brief snapshot of uh, your background and your passion for the sport. Sure. I grew up skiing at Alta, where my dad worked for 30 years as a ski instructor. And then he moved over and taught at Deer Valley Resort. And I started at Snowbird on Valentine's Day of 2000. So I've been here 20 years. And I've had many different jobs, starting with my first as the assistant director of public relations. And I was vice president of resort operations for, I think, eight years before becoming general manager a couple of years ago, and then president and general manager upon the retirement of Bob Bonar. Great. And Davey Ratchford up at Snow Basin, a little bit of your background and where that accent come from. I just made it up. It's not really an accent. Um, no, I'm from Ireland and I emigrated here to the U.S. for high school. So I did not, there's no mountains in Ireland. So I did not grow up skiing, uh, not in the same way, but I did learn to ski at Beaver Mountain here in Utah and uh, skied the Beave and loved it, had a great time. And then I joined the ski industry about 10 years ago and uh, Vail Resorts recruited me in um, from Major League Soccer. That's where I was for the years prior to that, I built the Real Salt Lake business and brand when that started here in Utah and uh, went to North Star out in Lake Tahoe as the director of marketing there. And then they sent me to Vail Mountain to oversee uh, Vail's uh, marketing and then to Park City when they purchased Canyons in Park City. And I was in charge of kind of combining that business unit and brand. And then a couple of years ago, I was asked to if I would uh, be the general manager of Snow Basin. So I'm 
10 years in the industry, two years here at Snow Basin. And I'm also the president of the Nathan Rafferty fan club. It's one of the roles I have to play as the board chair, Ski Utah. It's a very important role for sure, isn't it, Davey? He, he requires it. Get in line, it. buddy. Hey, uh, and we should also note that uh, Davey just won an award from Ski Area Management Magazine for, I don't know, being awesome of some one, <laughs> one form or another. I can't remember the exact title of the award, but cool to see one of our own in Utah get recognized. Great. Well, congratulations, Thanks. Davey. You know, before we get into talking about coronavirus that's been dominating our lives for the last two months, let's talk about the fun part of the season. This really was a good season. Nathan Rafferty, can you give us, first of all, just a little bit of an overview of the season leading up to March and what a great time we had? And then Dave and Davey will go to you to talk about your resorts. Yeah, you know, we had a really nice tailwind coming off the previous ski season, which was an all-time record for us in terms of skier days, but it was also way up there in terms of snowfall. You know, it always makes me nervous coming off of those uh, ski seasons because your memories are just of powder days every third day, and which it was, it was uh, one of these guys can tell me, maybe Dave, I know we went over the 700-inch mark of snow last year, but this season started off really, really well, huge amounts of snow. We were also on pace for not only record skier days, but um, you know, I don't think there were quite as many powder days, but we pushed well past that 500 inch mark. And I don't know if these guys are still measuring snow up there, but my guess is that I know we were well above average and just had a, you know, a phenomenal season going well into March. And, you know, we all know what happened then. And Nathan, that was pretty much true uh, north to south across the entire state, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I went down to uh, Brian Head early on in the ski season. Holy cow, they had a huge start. They, uh, I went down for a ribbon cutting for, they had a brand new high speed quad and they had so much snow down south. And, and then we got it up north too. We had a incredible Christmas and January's fantastic. February's great. You know, we were doing really, really well. And you know, in Utah, we enjoy that more often than not, but we never take it for granted. And uh, we had a we had a really nice season going. Dave Fields over at Snowbird, uh, we checked in with you in early December, and I think snow just continued to fall all winter long, didn't it? Well, I still remember the day that I was skiing, and you could hear your skis on the snow because it was so unusual for this season up until our, we closed. It was just day after day, great skiing. When you asked that question, I started flipping through my phone to look at videos because I take a lot of photos and videos of great days and there are too many to count, but I would say January 12th was pretty special. I remember skiing Baldy with my son and it was just unbelievable. And he and I during this COVID quarantine have reminisced about what our favorite day was. And we think January 12th was right up there, just a remarkable season in so many ways. We had a two and a half day road closure here in Little Cottonwood Canyon. At the time we thought, wow, that was a big curveball. I think that's gonna be the news from this winter. We'll never forget that. <laughs> and, then, and are road closures a good or a bad thing really? Well, I think for the 300 or so employees who slept on the floor for two nights straight, they weren't loving it. I think the customers who were here in the hotels, they would tell you it was exciting, but we didn't do much skiing during that closure. And we're all about skiing and giving it to the people. So I would say I would skip on the road closures, but they are a symptom of a lot of snow. Yeah, they're an, kind of take the good with the bad. That's right. They're an indicator. Davey, up at uh, Snow Basin, I had a couple of really great days up there, including a Ski Utah meeting uh, uh, about, uh, I think it was in late January. You also had a great season going, didn't you? Yeah, and last year was a record season for us, uh, best in our, in our history. And then this season was beating that. Snow was great. And I think one of the things that we found, all of us, were lucky that the snow pattern came at a very good time. It was right when visitation was was coming at the right pace and the timing of it. And we find that throughout the course of seasons, the, the nature of when the snow comes, sometimes it actually hinders you and sometimes it helps you. And in this case, it felt like it was, in our case, at least it went really well. Right up until we were, uh, we stopped, it was, uh, yeah, it was going to be a record season, something we were very excited about because we, we had some big things we wanted to achieve this year. And one of them was 
on the parking side because Snow Basin has always been challenged with, even though I think we have some of the biggest parking lots in Utah skiing because it's such a day traffic resort. And we had an amazing parking year. We, we solved some huge issues that have been there for 20, 30 years. And we were hoping to see it kind of, you know, get through that. And so it was leading up to it. It was, everything was going great. You know, Dave Fields had that memorable January day. Do you have any day that you can remember from this season that was just epic for you? You know, actually that day that Ski Utah was up, that was that was a fun day. I remember being sucked into a few interviews that day and I didn't really get to get out. But uh, I remember Nathan walking by me in his big outfit saying, you know, get off the meetings and come up and skiing. But that was a big day. And it was a great day because so many of my peers and the people I love in the ski industry were up here. I, you know, you couldn't ask for a better day, but I will say my, not to be overly cheesy here, but my wife had ACL surgery and she loves to ski. And and that's been one of the great benefits of being in the industry is our families, as Dave talked about skiing with the son. My, probably my best day was her, her getting back on snow. And she, what was interesting is she hadn't skied snow basin yet. Uh, She had been here supporting me with her ACL surgery and but never explored the mountain. So taking her up for the first time, it was a beautiful bluebird day, great fresh snow, and having her see the mountain was awesome. That was probably my best day. Where did you take her for her first run up on the mountain? We went up needles and we started easy, but she's a really good skier and she doesn't sit really sit down much. She she wanted to get at it. So by the end of it, she was all over the mountain. But we, I'd say what was interesting is if you know Snow Basin, porcupine lift, slow triple, freezing cold. It's just one of those cold lifts, but it is some of the most beautiful terrain when you get up there. And when we got up there, she just stopped and looked around and it was, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, it's a pretty nice experience when you get up on top of that ridge line and take a look yeah. down. So let's let's kind of reflect back on the timeline. Uh, we had this amazing season going, and in February, we're starting to hear a little bit more talk, and there's maybe a few protocols on hygiene. But as you as you guys went through the month of February, particularly later in the month, this is all new territory. I mean, let's start with you, Dave Fields. You guys have, no one's ever been through this before. And all of a sudden you have these new situations. You have to put new protocols in place. What were some of the things that you put in place to help protect the guests and the staff and keep skiing going in February and early March? Well, like most things around Snowbird, it centers around the tram. And we realized pretty quickly that that was going to be a contagion spot and so we started sanitizing the tram regularly then we reduced capacity on the tram and then we stopped running it when i felt like we couldn't ensure the safety of our staff not knowing what this was all about and i didn't think it was okay to ask the tram operator to be in there if i couldn't give them answers about their safety and so we closed the tram and then it went from there but i would say the speed with which everything came down was really what was shocking. You know, there's no manual. There's no real place to turn. You've kind of are inventing these solutions. Was there any mentor that you had or any type of guidance that you got that helped you to make these new decisions? Well, we work with the powder group and they manage a lot of different resorts from Killington to Copper to Boreal and Bachelor. And I really fell back on that group a lot as it related to this and our strategies, because we could, some parts of the country were further along than we were. And it was great having that resource of general managers and the leadership in powder to rely on because there's so many experts in different fields. So that was a great resource. But I would say also the network of general managers and resort personnel that's brought together through Ski Utah. We really relied heavily on each other and we communicated constantly as this was breaking loose. What are you doing? How are you handling this? What's the implication of this? What's your plan? And when March 14th came around, I was texting, I probably texted Davey 20 times that day as we made our plan. And 
that's a tribute to the working relationship of Ski Utah. Not all resorts in every state have this kind of relationship that we have in Utah, where we have these great relationships. We get together every month for Ski Utah meetings. And regardless of what level you are in an organization, whether you're in marketing or operations or you're an executive and you're running a ski resort, you have peers that you meet with thanks to Ski Utah. And boy, was that nice to have and fall back on when, we, when the chips were down with COVID. We relied on each other a lot and communicated nonstop. Davey, you've worked uh, in different places around the country and for different resort operators. Uh, what's your sense of the importance of that family atmosphere among the resorts here in Utah? Yeah, it's unprecedented. And I, I give Nathan, I know I've already given him too much love today, but well, I that's your job, though. That's my job. Again, he does a really good job fostering that. And, and if there's drama out there, he, it doesn't really exist because it just doesn't work in the way we do things. And yeah, you mentioned it earlier and, and Dave did too. They, there's not like a, you know, and I, you know, in my time as a general manager, we've seen some interesting stuff happen and there's not like a, a playbook you open to page seven that says global pandemic. General manager, here's what you do. It doesn't exist, not like that, not in, not in that scale. But there are certain things that you do react to and that you know from instinct and from experience. But yeah, to answer your question about that family kind of experience, Dave, I remember, I think one of the first texts, because we had reached out when they had their road closure. And, and even then, I think, you know, resorts are, you know, what do you need? What can we help with? What, you know, what's going on? But then a couple of weeks later, this starts going down. And I, I think I remember Dave's, one of his texts, as we were going through all the refinements of sanitation and food and beverage operations changes, everything that we were, it was happening so fast that we were reacting to the moment. But I remember Dave sending a text out going something to the nature of like, is this going to last? Like, can we actually keep running the mountains? And we were, and then as that, that weekend started, yeah, I mean, I think we had right there, I think we had every general manager on a text message and all of us, and, you know, up here in the Ogden Valley, the powder, you know, we were, we were communicating Alta, Snowbird, Park City, Deer Valley, all of us were like, you know, it was coming so fast. And I think we ended up closing on the Sunday. I think most closed on the Saturday. And then on that Sunday, we limited visitation and we still had a lot of people coming up and it made us very nervous because we were at that time, we, we were trying to just understand what it was, close down quickly, limit as much exposure as possible. I think we all did a very good job of that. Um, we were lucky that we had Sun Valley in our, in our you know, that's part of our uh, team too. And we were able to kind of reach out and what they were dealing with up there. And theirs was, you know, theirs was coming fast too. So it was very unique. It's very special to Utah. Um, it's not the same at other locations. And there's some great operators around the country and I think we were, you know, there's some over-indexing of talent here in Utah for sure. You know, before I go to you, Nathan, I want to go back to you, Dave, and then to you, Davey. Both of you are at resorts that while you're a part of the National Pass programs with Epic and Icon, you are family-owned. And I, I, did that create a different dynamic? Uh, did you have the family engagement to help you set a path? Dave Fields, do you want to start on that? Well, I've honestly never been more grateful to work for a family-owned business. The way the Coming and Bass families have approached this whole situation has just been unbelievable. And we always talk about how Snowbird is a family, that the immediate family is all the employees, and then it extends out to our guests. But you really test that in a situation like this, and I just cannot express enough how amazing that they've been through all this and i'm just super grateful and i think most of us who have worked for them will not forget this yeah davy uh, you work with the holding family as you mentioned before the owners of sun valley and also snow basin uh, how engaged is the the family in helping guide you in a situation like this yeah, they're, I think, similar to Dave. They are amazing. If you, if you know the holdings, you, you know very good people. Just genuine, kind, thoughtful. And in our case, they own the hotels in, you know, all over also. So they had Grand America, Little America down in Salt Lake. So you know, they were dealing with 
hotel issues at the same time. And there was a lot of phone calls and a lot of care um, when we were closing down and making the decision to actually shut it all the way down. And I was talking to Stephen Holding at the time on the phone and it, it's, it's, it just wasn't a hesitation. Safety is everything. And, and in our industry, the quicker you could react, the, the better, especially for something like, like that, that we were all kind of learning as it, was, as it was happening. And, you know, it was interesting to see how many other businesses closed after the ski industry. Uh, we, were, we were pretty quick and we got out of the, you know, we were watching what was happening and then, you know, got to kind of that untenable stage and we needed to make a decision. So having an ownership group that supports that and knowing that it, as a resort, it's a economic disaster for for the business it it was what you needed to do they were great nathan uh, you are at the helm of ski utah and you're kind of a bit of the maestro the conductor of all of these resorts and bringing them all together what was your your world like in those days leading up to march 14th you know it was it was crazy there are very few days I mean, I can count on one hand these, you know, these days that you'll remember from your career. And that was right there towards the top of the list. I took what some on this call might consider an ill-timed time out of the office. I was actually on a road trip and uh, I, did, I did what any uh, person would do. I, I talked to my friend Dave Fields and he said, man, I think you should cancel that trip. So I, uh, and I thought to myself, well, that's not going to work. I'm going to call somebody else until I get a different answer. So I called Davey and he said, what are you talking about? Yeah, go for it. So <laughs> that's why he's the president of your fan club. Well, yeah. exactly. I called the president of my fan club and he said, get out of here. So, you know, in hindsight, it was bad timing to be out of town. But what I, the, the upside was that I was driving on the day that it was, um, it was all going down. And it was, it was just crazy. I, I was driving a van and I had uh, my buddy sitting uh, shotgun next to me, actually a guy I work with at Ski Utah, Ben Emery. We were driving and I, and I got a call from Roger Armstrong, who's on the Summit County Council. And I thought to myself, mm, this is not good. Roger doesn't usually call me on a Saturday. And he said, hey, you got a second? We, we're running into some issues and... Uh, I think we're going to have issue. We may issue an order to have some the ski areas here in Summit County shut down. That's Park City and Deer Valley. We started the text messages uh, between all the ski areas, and and like Dave said too, the speed with which it all came down was just uh, uh, unbelievable. And the and really the domino effect because you think of it when I left when I left town when I drove through town on Thursday, back into Park City. I was struck, it was maybe a little bit warmer that day, but I was struck by how many people were out on the streets. I drove uh, down Main Street in Park City and it was, the town was just absolutely packed. So, you know, at that point, there are 20 plus thousand people in town. Things start shutting down on that Saturday. The text, uh, we had a big link between all 15, between all 15 of the ski areas in the state and started texting back and forth. And when Park City shut down, Deer Valley shut down pretty quickly thereafter. And then, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, there are 20, 25,000 skiers in the town of Park City trying to figure out where, what they're going to do with their week-long vacation, where they're going to ski next. It took a very short amount of time before everybody figured that they were going to shut down. There were one or two smaller resorts that said, you know, we're going to get through the weekend or we're going to shut down in a day or two. And even those, a couple of those guys called me and said they wish they had, you know, shut down even a little faster. But I know nationwide, it took less than five days to shut down almost 500 ski areas nationwide. And there wasn't one left open by the time we were early middle of that week. Let's talk about the logistics of doing this, that weekend of March 14, 15, uh, Dave Field at Snowbird. What did you have to put in place? How did you deal with employees? How did you deal with guests that day? Well, the amazing thing about that day is I was skiing with my wife at two o'clock and I took a run and came down to the office and it was around, we were doing things, but it broke loose so fast, the news 
of what Vail Resorts and Altera were doing, that by five o'clock, the conversation had become, are we going to close? And within a couple hours, the decision had been made and to indefinitely suspend our operations. And I've never seen a situation that evolved that rapidly because we had four hotels full of guests. We had all of our employees here. We had our international workers here. And the logistics of all that were just incredible. Trying to coordinate travel home for employees from Jamaica or Peru or Argentina, our international workers, because they were against tight timelines before airports closed. So they needed to get home. Customers were unsure of what they should do. And it was just an amazing time that happened so quickly. I think I left that night at midnight and we were back in it the next morning. And to Davy's earlier point, there's no playbook. You're falling back on counterparts and for me, powder and trying to figure out is what, how we're going to proceed. And then winding down a season on such a short timeline was a monumental undertaking. Uh, Dave, do you have any moments that you can remember from that day on Saturday or Sunday, maybe with an employee or with a guest that, that have really stayed with you? Well, since that time, I've had many conversations, and this is a really sensitive area because this is impacting, obviously, our guests are disappointed that this season ended prematurely, just like I am. But this is very important to all of our employees. We have about 1,900 year or wintertime employees, and then we carry about 1,000 employees on a year-round basis. And so there have been a lot of conversations I've had with people about how to proceed. And while I don't want to get into all those details, I had a conversation with one of our employees, and she said to me, can I have my pay cut even more so that Snowbird can make it through this and I can work there? She said, I want to work there the rest of my life. And she was willing to give up all of her pay to ensure the long-term viability of the company. And that is such a humbling thing to hear from an employee. I mean, you know, people are committed. It's obvious by the fact that we have so many 20, 30, 40-year employees. But when somebody tells you they'll give up their pay so they can work here the rest of their life, I mean, I obviously, I started crying. and You know, it's, it's a big deal to me, and I don't take that lightly. Well, I, I think that those of us who have watched, and I'm partial to the ski industry, but having watched it, I think that the ski industry has been magnanimous in how it has worked its way through this and how it has handled that. And it is gratifying to hear stories like that, but I think it gets back to the family aspect of, of what we all have in working together. You know, Davey, you, you guys actually tried to get into Sunday and gut it out a little bit longer. And, you know, what challenges did you find on that weekend as you're all of a sudden reading from a playbook that didn't exist? Yeah, and, and I think for us, the, the decision, Saturday, if, if all of us remember right, it came late. Like we were, I think it was, hey, we're shutting it down. It was five or six. And in our case, because, you know, it's a little harder to control because the, the vast majority of our business is coming from, you know, within 45 miles. We thought having, having the next day would allow us to operationally close down a little bit easier and manage that message because getting the message out was challenging versus having hotels where, you know, there's much better forms of communication. It was really, really challenging. So we said, well, let's have one more day. Let's have a team out at the bottom to limit visitation. And yeah, it was really hard because we would have had probably twice as much traffic that day because the message was getting out, you know, everyone's closing down. And so we had to make some really hard decisions. People, I remember talking to a family who were very upset because they were in Park City and their vacation got cut short. And they got to us about 11 in the morning. And by that point, we had already 
close down access because it it was the responsible thing to do. We had it open, trying to make sure our pass holders could be communicated with. And we had visitors from all over coming in. And that's a real tough one because, you know, and, and I, I have the same sort of stories that Dave had with staff, but the, the guest side, what I've learned in my 10 years, this is the most passionate group of people. I came from sports, like professional soccer, which have passionate people, not like skiing. Like it is a whole different thing. And I felt for these people, like they have a long year and they come out on these vacations and they want to break and they spent money to get out here and they want to have an experience with their kids because that's what skiing can do. It can be a family activity. And it was devastating to so many people in that regard. Um, and I, I have, yeah, similar stories today. In one case, it was a, um, a lady that, um, you know, and I, I knew so many of these folks are, you know, they have financial obligations that are very challenging. And I was walking out to the parking lot with one and the question was like, so is this, you know, how bad is this? They're wanting my advice on COVID. And at the time we were trying to all figure it out. And I said, yeah, it looks to be pretty bad. And they're like, so does this mean like I, I may not be able to work? And to have those conversations both on a scalable level, because we had so many people that we had to have those conversations with. And then on the micro level like that with individuals, it, it's a heartbreaking because there's passion and there's necessity of life of people trying to make ends meet, everybody. And those two things coming together, it's... Uh, and it's not just the ski industry. We know this is everywhere, right? But in the ski industry in particular, it's, it's very family-centric. And there's a lot of people that care about each other at a very deep level and a lot of passion out there with our guests. And it was a, yeah, and it still continues today. There's still a lot of challenging conversations that we have as this thing keeps evolving. Davey, to that point, March 14th, 15th was a really tough weekend. But in the two months after that or more, you have all faced new decisions and new issues that you needed to manage. And, you know, Davey, what are some of the things that, that you've done uh, as a resort family over the last few months? Well, I think, was it the next week or the week after then we had an earthquake? That was... That's right, of course. <laughs> yeah, we can't make this stuff up. We were, again, opening the playbook, earthquake. Let's make sure we figure out that we, you know, make sure we do that right. We did a, we've done a lot. And in our case, like so many of the ski areas, we were first and foremost, it was uh, what do our, our employees need? And we had to try create a plan very quickly on what to communicate, how to do right by our employees. We had a huge amount of seasonal staff that were leaving early. We had our international staff that, you know, how did they get home? And that was still under, and in some cases still ongoing with people trying to get back to their home countries. And it's a, yeah, it was unprecedented. And what we were hoping to do was to do at least, at least get them through a couple of weeks worth of pay and benefits initially to try help the, those folks that were suddenly shut down. And today we still have um, a couple of hundred full-time folks that we have projects and things that we're doing, but like Dave said earlier, it's a, it's a very different experience now than what it was this time last year in the off season. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a whole new world that we're trying to figure out how to appropriately deal with our staff and do it the right way. And in our case, there's so many of them that live close by. And so we've been doing a couple of weeks ago, we still honored our employees of the year and we, put our personal protective stuff on and we went to individuals homes and we celebrated them and surprised them. And we're still trying to keep that relationship and connection and make it personal. But I would tell you that if I'm being candid, that's a real challenge because that's what I like about leadership. It's what I like about what we do and the connections we make as leaders and trying to do it this way. Like I was texting one of our employees that had a baby and I was like, you know, COVID was all consuming, but then you're like, but how's the baby? And you're, you're, yeah. you're just, you're constantly just trying to stay in touch with your people. So Dave Fields at Snowbird, uh, some people don't think about the logistics that this presents as well. You had a lot of food, you had a lot of inventory and you needed to manage that as well. Well, on, we were planning to feed about 5,000 people on Sunday, March 15th. 
So that gives you an idea of the scale of inventory of food we had on hand. And it's all over the mountain. It's at Midgad Restaurant, which is accessed by Snowcat for food deliveries. We had it at the summit at the top of the tram. So we spent that next week getting all the perishables plus some other things together and then took it all down to our Millrock offices down by I-215 and gave it away to our employees. We figure it was probably about 10,000 pounds of food. And I have to say that was probably the best day since March 14th I've had because being able to load boxes of food into people's, the trunks of their cars, uh, it's just, again, taking care of the family and doing something for them. And they were so appreciative of it. And it was just nice. It, the food didn't go to waste. It went to people who really needed it. We probably had about 500 cars come through in three or so hours. And it just felt really good to take care of people in a tangible way. We're obviously dealing with all the other elements that Davey mentioned as it relates to pay or healthcare and things like that. But just to do something for someone in a period where it's so hard to take physical action and do something that doesn't involve Zoom. You know, we're living in a Zoom world now and we're really busy and we're making plans and we're trying to figure out what the summer looks like. But that was one of the only examples I have of where I could still connect with people and do something for them and see them. It's really important to see people. And that's really what I'm missing is interacting with our guests and our employees and seeing how they're doing. And I'm up here and we have a few projects going on, but um, it's still so refreshing. Even on Zoom, when you see a fresh face, it's like, hey, I haven't seen you for two months. It's great, isn't it? Um, that was a really nice thing to be able to do. And yeah, tearing down ski operations in the middle of March is unheard of. And uh, it has a lot of elements like that, just like the hotels. We operate four hotels here and that has all the inventory and all the cleaning and supplies and so forth. And now we're in acquisition of PPE. That's a whole game unto itself is trying to get enough PPE so that when we are ready to open, our employees feel like they have all the safety precautions in place that are needed. So it's gloves, it's masks, it's hand sanitizer, it's thermometers, it's sneeze guards, and it's a very competitive landscape out there. So you're trying hard to get this stuff that's in very limited supply. Uh, Nathan Rafferty, across the family of Ski Utah Resorts. There are many other acts of kindness and things resorts have done to help their employees, to help the community. Yeah, Dave and uh, and Davey mentioned theirs. And, you know, I know Deer Valley did the same with their food and donated it around, um, around the town. One thing I'd mentioned that we worked on with U.S. Ski and Snowboarding, the ski team was the Goggles for Docs program. And you know, Dave talking about that a little bit really brought it home. You know, this is a program where uh, skiers and snowboarders can donate their their goggles, and and those goggles then go to frontline healthcare workers as protective eyewear. And you know, when we first heard about that program, I called uh, the governor's office here and said, "Hey, do we need this?" And there wasn't a need in Utah right away, but I got to give credit to U.S. Ski and Snowboarding. They said, um, I tell you what, we, we, we may not have a big need in Utah, but we are a goggle rich environment. So we're going to collect a bunch. And, um, and then U.S. skiing snowboarding is shipping it around the country uh, to places in need. We acted as a conduit. So we have a pretty big reach in terms of being able to promote something like this. And we had our office as a pickup location. We then bring those goggles up to U.S. skiing and and they ship them out, but it was really fun. I've, I've, I've kind of loitered in the parking lot and watched people dropping off these goggles and, and people are holed up. And, you know, I think skiers and snowboarders are by nature, passionate people, and they instinctively are wanting to think about ways that they can help. And, and we're all in such a helpless 
location, you know, you're stuck inside, you, you know, your only outlet is through your computer or telephone and you're wondering, gosh, I wish I could just do something. You're, you know, so many people, especially skiers and snowboarders are able-bodied and active and they're just itching to help. And so watching some of these people, I saw minivans pull up and, and mom or dad would pile out and, you know, they, they're obviously with their family and they're dropping off these goggles and it was a, you know, yes, it was good to get PPE in the hands of people who need and appreciate it, but it was, I think, just as impactful and just as important to give a, a conduit to people who wanted to be able to help in some small way. So, you know, I'm really glad that we ended up working with that program and uh, uh, kudos to the folks at uh, East Berkshire, I think, uh, which started this program nationwide and, and, and they've since donated, I think, tens of thousands of goggles. Let's take a look uh, to the future a little bit and hopefully in a more positive note. I know that none of you know where the roadmap leads from here. So there's no way that any of you can say this is what it will be like next season. But Davey, let's start with you. What are your hopes to uh, uh, and what you can offer up to your guests when Snow Basin opens this fall? Yeah, and we are going to be communicating in May um, what that would be for our pass holders and it's a, it's a challenge because I think so many of what we're seeing are these unknowns that everybody's been operating in um, and it's no different in the ski industry and the unknowns on what our guests can expect in winter and that guarantee like, okay, if I buy a season pass, which is so much of the lifeblood of the ski industry, if I buy a season pass and I get laid off or if COVID, you know, comes back, you know, COVID 20 or whatever it might be that comes out, if that is, um, the case, what, how will I be looked after? How will I be protected? How do I, you know, how do I get through this? And so we, that's, that's where we're going with our direction is making sure that we can give some peace of mind on the financial side of people that are committing to uh, come to the ski industry. As far as the operation, so much is like Dave said, it's, it's analyzing what new processes and procedures are in place for the safety of everybody around them. And I think by nature, the ski industry is, you know, so much of it's individual. You're out on your own in the cold with protective gear on. But at the same time, people now have a different way of thinking about sitting next to someone in a gondola. And so how do we create a new environment for people and how do we do it in a, in a way that's authentic to our experience, but also allows us to run a resort and hopefully uh, pay the bills because this industry um, you know, it has its challenges that way when it comes to the, the expense side of running a business. So if all of a sudden we have to make those adjustments, how does that then flow into what we do day in and day out? And what terrain do we open and how do we get it, you know, how do we get it off the ground and starting? And it's, there's, there's a lot to consider. And I would tell you that it's been really fascinating to see so many different industry, very smart industry people from both within Ski Utah and around the country, giving their thoughts and ideas of how to do that, what they're doing. And it's very open. It's, it's open source. It's not, hey, I'm going to come up with this great idea and keep it to myself. And it's, it's not that way. It's, I, I've been learning a lot about what others are doing in leadership positions to keep the ski industry moving in the right direction. And, you know, we're not ashamed to beg, borrow and steal all of that to make it the best possible experience we can for our guests. And that, that's the way it's been lately. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm very optimistic. What we've got is a resilient bunch of people. And then I, as I said earlier, we have some really good leaders and they care a lot about the guest experience and they care about doing it right and the safety that it, it requires now in that way. We've always thought about safety, but in this regard, it's, it's something different. And uh, I'm excited about what comes out of it and we'll be challenged to do it right. And all of us will be expected to deliver on the right experience. And that's what we're working on right now is how to do it. Dave Fields from Snowbird, uh, your look on the next season. Well, the next season is one issue, but we're a year-round operation. And so not only are we thinking about next winter and what it means for our locals as well as our destination guests, we're thinking about this summer and what does it mean for the different activities we have. Chairlift rides could be really popular this summer. And what does it mean for the mountain coaster, the alpine slide, and then 
you go into August and what does this mean for Oktoberfest? Is there a way you could spread out Oktoberfest and have a smaller scale version of it where people can still be socially distanced and yet come up into the mountains? Then we're also in the conference business. Um, that's a big part of what we do here. We're trying to figure out with our partners at Visit Salt Lake and Salt Palace and the other groups that do uh, a lot of meetings. What does COVID-19 and this new reality mean for that industry? So we have a lot of discussions ongoing. And I think the most important thing is, can we do this and keep our people safe and our customers safe? And as the levels of guidance change from the state going from red to orange and hopefully to yellow when it's appropriate, that'll open up new opportunities. But the hardest part of this is we're just learning as we go. We're figuring it out as you know, we go. And the most important thing you can do right now is talk to peers and people from other industries who are having the same discussions all day long as we are in getting their ideas, because it's important that we find a way to do this, but do it safely. Nathan Rafferty, uh, one of my thoughts, and I'm sure others have shared this as we've existed these last few months uh, in a new world is, you look outside and on those clear blue sky days, you know, you have just not a care in the world. And on those gloomy days, all of a sudden your mind wanders to different places. But uh, let's take it back to the greatest snow on earth here in Utah. Snow doesn't know anything about COVID-19, does it? No, it doesn't for sure. You know, we had, like I said uh, earlier, we had an incredible snow year. You know, it was it was tough for a lot of people to get their rug pulled out from under them right, right in the heart of uh, March. And, you know, you want to, at that point, you kind of see the end of the ski season coming. And I, I at least feel a little bit of a angst to want to, you know, get my, make sure I get my boots on a couple more times. And, and I pay a lot closer attention because you come around the corner into April and all of a sudden, it's spring skiing. It's fun, but you know, the end is coming too. So, um, you know, that was tough, but the, you know, the snow is going to fall again in Utah. We're going to no doubt have another incredible snow year come October and November next season. And, and like both these guys ahead of me have said, you know, it, if you're in this business and you're in, not an optimist, you're in trouble because we've got so many different things that uh, can come our way, weather being uh, really the, uh, the main one, but um, we're lucky like that in Utah. So I'm excited for next season. Well, we're going to close it out with a little lightning round here, and I'm going to ask each of you a couple of pretty simple questions. I'm looking for a, a very succinct one sentence answer. And the first one is when all of this is over next season and you're out there on the hill, What's the one great run you want to make? Davey, why don't you kick it off? Main Street out on Strawberry at very first light. It's beautiful. And about 24 inches of fresh, right? Yeah. Dave Fields? High Baldy. High Baldy and Nathan Rafferty. You know, I get a little trouble with this because uh, I got to pick one of my children here. But uh, no, there's not a... Um, there's not a better run than Alf's High Rustler in my mind on a powder day and even not on a powder day and skiers left-hand side all the way down is pretty good. Cool. Next question. Most notable act of kindness you've seen over the last few months. Davey? Oh, there's so many. Um, I We dropped some checks off down in, in, in Ogden for some bonus checks so they didn't have to come up here. And um, I saw somebody go in and get another person a cup of coffee, just the interaction. It was so personal and caring and thoughtful because it was, it was a tough day and we were trying to say bye to everybody. And uh, there's, there's a thousand that I could tell, but that one was very personal and uh, lots of tears and hugs and they just needed a coffee. Cool. It was Dave, great. Dave Fields? We set up a Facebook group for Snowbird employees who could ask for help and those of us who can provide it can help them out, whatever it may be. And I'll just say that the willingness of people to come to others aid in times of need is really humbling. Nathan Rafferty. 
you know, we did as a staff, we did a, a little parade in front of our longtime uh, vice president of marketing, her house. She had her 35th anniversary at Ski Utah. And uh, we were trying to figure out what we could do. And this was like a week or two into us being gone. And so it was actually the first time we had all seen each other and uh, some of the videos. And, and, you know, I know she really appreciated that. It was just fun to see everybody come together in support of somebody else in our office. Cool. In one sentence, your personal message to Utah skiers and snow fields. We will ski again and I cannot wait. Davey? Uh, this too shall pass and it's gonna be great. Nathan? I'd just say, I can't wait to see that text come across my phone again that says four by four and chains only. Which, mean, <laughs> which means deep snow, great skiing. It will, uh, this will pass and uh, I can't wait to get up to my knees in Utah snow again soon. That is wonderful. As we close out every episode of Last Chair, your favorite Utah craft beer, Davey? Hmm. Roosters. You had Roosters to go there. up in Ogden. Oh, and all of them. And all of them. Nathan? Uh, anything from kind of Wasatch Squatters uh, is good for me. Home, the hometown brew in Park City. And Dave Fields, I know where you're going to go. Well, I make no secret of my love of Coors Light, but my friend Kevin. <laughs> that was pathetic, by the way. I think it was PBR in December. Uh, I thought he'd at least lie for this podcast. I will, <laughs> I will say that my friend Kevin from Cool is now doing a beer that is made locally, and I've tried it, and I have one in my fridge, and they are very good. Very good. Folks, thank you so much for joining us, Nathan, Davey, and Dave. Thank you, Tom. You know, it's easy to say nothing ever impacted so many people so quickly as what we have all experienced the last few months. Skiers and snowboarders passionate about being outdoors and in the mountains. I know our last chair listeners will find their paths to the future somehow, some way. We'll also look back on those days we spent on snow last season very fondly, and we'll look forward to being back again next year. Thanks to all of you for listening to Last Chair from Ski Utah this season. It's been fun bringing you some great stories, and I look forward to doing it again next season. Stay tuned on your favorite podcast channel for more. I'm Tom Kelly, your host for Ski Utah's Last Chair podcast. See you on the slopes. <laughs> <laughs>